Hello, welcome everyone. So, uh, if you look in the schedule, uh, it says there's a crypto panel, and as far as I can tell, there's no description other than the people that are here on the panel. So, um, I'm going I'm to introduce all of these people uh, in just a moment. In fact, actually, why don't we do that first, and then I'll ask the question that, that I have for you guys, which is about what you guys want to get out of this. So. Yeah, uh, Chris Basia, I uh, primarily work on OpenBazaar, I'm uh, the developers on that project, and um, also contribute to um, Bitcoin and Cash Europe. So could you tell people what OpenBazaar is? Yes, uh, OpenBazaar is a decentralized e-commerce marketplace, similar to Cardical, which you may have the same as Based digital content platform. Um, so I have some knowledge both of, and I have a computer science background, so I have knowledge of both uh, the tech and, and sort of some of the business side stuff here on crypto. Uh, so as I started to say when I introduced this, I don't know what we're going to talk about, right? You say we're talking about crypto. We can talk about 16 different things, and we can talk about each of those 16 things for an hour. Um, so just real quick, I'm, we're going to get into it, but I just wanted to poll people. Just raise your hand if you're interested in hearing, because I have a whole bunch of stuff I can talk about, and I can make stuff up. So who wants to hear sort of just like, who's sort of new to crypto, wants to be hearing like first principles crypto intro type stuff? Couple people. Uh, who is looking for like, I'm super deep into crypto and I just want to hear these people talk about the current events of the opining on the stuff of the last you know couple of weeks, last couple of months. Okay, decent number, decent number of hands, maybe a third people. Who's looking just for sort of like less topical, more more big picture, grand talking about what is crypto, why does it matter? Okay. Uh, looking for specific stories uh, about these people, specific companies, what they've been facing, what they've been seeing, specific to their companies. Okay, single line of hands. That's up there with the big picture stuff. We had a we had a decent number of hands for sort of that big picture uh, question. So I'll just start with this one. Um, in your view, uh, we don't maybe need to all explain exactly what crypto is. Maybe at least one person can say what crypto is. You can add on to that if you didn't like what that first person said. And why does it matter? What is this? What is? How do you see this? Why does crypto matter? What is? It, what's important enough? 
So with uh, actually we'll start with Desiree and see if this makes good. What, if you could just first say sort of like what is it briefly and then why does it matter? Yeah. Uh, well, crypto refers to a bunch of different things. It means the blockchain, which is the technology behind uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, but it also refers to, I think, the idealism behind um, encryption and having privacy and removing society from state surveillance and the state being involved in everything centralized of artists. So I would say that encompasses cryptocurrencies and it's important because there could be a techno technological shift in the future where for say payments we can improve the technology existing within the systems we already have but then also there could be ideological transformation where we come to rely on ourselves for things that we do every day such as business and, and commerce and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great add, um, or a great definition. The only thing I would add is this technology is really powerful because it enables shared infrastructure. So when there are parties that need to share data with each other, uh, and they don't necessarily know each other, certainly don't trust each other, this technology enables the sharing of that infrastructure. So the applications of that are to not just the new cryptocurrency use case, but also in other parts of the economy where you do have companies that need to share information with each other uh, and currently are duplicating and reconciling that information. There's a tremendous amount of ways duplication and reconciliation. If you um, think about, yeah, if you ever had a paper check and flipped it over and saw how many institutions touched that paper check, every single one of them is processing that check. There are people, there's energy consumed. There are auditors involved. Every all of that is is, is duplication that that can literally go away. I'm also a big believer in the trust trustless factor here. Um, our trust has been so abused by the traditional financial industry, and I lived it in my Wall Street career. And I thought for a while that we might be able to actually change the existing system from within, but I've given up on that. And now I'm working on um, um, helping to build an entirely parallel to provably solve this financial system that's based on cryptocurrencies that will compete with the traditional one um, and plug into the traditional one uh, I don't have a whole lot to add on to that other than um, you know, uh, cryptocurrency, cryptography uh, in general is kind of um, it, it's an empowerment tool. It kind of puts puts the ability to control uh, your, your own information and what other people are able to access uh, back into your hands in ways that in most of our interactions with businesses and institutions and society, there is that level of, of trust involved. Uh, they're not going to trust, they're not going to censor me. I'm going to trust that they're not going to confiscate the payments and, and these sorts of things. Um, this type of technology has been sort of a long time in the making. Like, uh, the, the crypto anarchist manifesto, how long ago was that now? Tim, Tim May? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's um, I think that's around 25 years old now. Yeah, so it's been a very long time in the making, and we're, we're, I, I would argue still not there, because these tools aren't mainstream, um, but that's kind of where we're, we're trying to get to. All very good points. Um, the, the trouble is, it's hard for us all to trust each other, and it's especially hard for competing businesses to trust each other and competing businesses around the world. Um, it, it's been hard to trust information from people. And what the word crypto comes from the word cryptography, 
and it sounds like it's it's based on encrypting things, making them obscure and hidden. But really, it's about creating verifiable information using cryptography with something called a digital signature. So it's all about being able to trust information with that that your competitors aren't lying and that all the information is verified and and uh, you can share and collaborate without having to see if people are lying or not because we have digital signatures that are mathematical proof that information is correct and that there's no lies but we can build a whole economy on a very mathematically sound set of information using cryptography and that's why it's called crypto thank thank you so I thought those were uh, great answers uh, about what uh, what crypto is um, and why it matters. Let's talk about where we are with it. And feel free to either talk about where your company is specifically with it or, or where you see the, the industry as a whole. You know, we heard Chris just say, this is something that's been going on for for you know for 25 years. Um, I don't know, you know, Bitcoin obviously isn't that old, but the, the movement, the idea of um, some of these ideas um, that led to it are that old. Um, you know, where are we with it? Uh, is it is this like a, a, the perpetual? Surely this is the year of desktop Linux, uh, and uh, it just becomes a meme, and it's 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 always we're always going to be the one percent, or or what? So, uh, we'll start. Uh, let's start with Caitlin. Start in the middle this time. Oh, thanks. Barely in the first inning. Um, I would say that the, the, the real breakthrough in Bitcoin, at least from a you know business person's perspective, who's not a developer, the way I like to phrase it is, we actually now have data that can be verifiably scarce and someone can actually own that data. Up until Satoshi's breakthrough, there was no possibility of having something that's a digital collectible. And we now have that thanks to Satoshi. And that is that that has profound implications for for the ability for, for how society organizes itself and and essentially turns the entire financial industry, the traditional financial industry, on its head. Um, at a very high level, the way I like to think about it, having worked in it for so many years, the, the IT architecture of traditional companies, of, of um, not just traditional banks, but of course they're included in that, is everything is behind a very strong firewall, and for the most part, if somebody breaks into that firewall, that data is unencrypted. And it, but it's all very centralized, right? We're moving away from that a little bit, but that's the basic thing, that you've got unencrypted data inside a firewall in a central organization that maintains it. The, the, this new technology is everything's encrypted without a firewall, living in the wilds of the internet, attacked every day, um, and gets stronger and stronger every day precisely because it's decentralized. Those two things don't mesh well. And it's part of the reason why I think the two systems are gonna remain fairly separate. So I think we're just in the first inning of figuring it out because that's only that, that invention is only eleven years old. Go around this way and end with them. Yeah, I I, I'm, I, my view is I, I kind of feel like I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see where Caitlin comes from. I also get Jeremy's point, like, is are we going to be perpetually saying this is the year of the Linux desktop? Um, to be clear, my role here is to be provocateur, yeah. not to. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and I don't, I don't know if I really know the answer to that. I mean, there's, there's some, some things that go on in the space that are very positive, and it gives you, makes you a lot of, makes you very optimistic. But, you know, for people who have been working in the space for quite a while now, if you asked us kind of where we thought we would be today, I thought we would probably be, well, I think we, I would have said I think we're either going to be nowhere or like much farther advanced. And we're kind of in this 
middle area where like this gray area where, where we've made some progress but not to the point where we, we otherwise would and so it's still kind of a lot of unknowns i would say hey greta it's very very early so everyone who says um i wish i bought bitcoins early like um, you ever hear that definitely it, it's pretty early now i don't know which one's going to succeed is there's huge competition for, for bitcoins now and the people who, who understand how to provide the most value um, are going to win now what's uh, i'm totally blank um where are we yes it's early um, people are adopting it in new hampshire but this has been going on for a long time um, and i think it's becoming more mainstream now um, your point about there's there's these big institutions that have incentive to have uh, firewalls and they're not going to jive the, the open platform. Now, I think that because of the, the network effect of the growth of the internet and, and the value of having everyone connected, that this open system probably will continue on the trajectory of the growth of the internet, which is going to out, vastly outpace the, the closed systems because they can't connect. Um, so I do see that Bitcoin has been on an exponential growth curve the whole time. It's, it's actually pretty straightforward. It just started at like two users. So, um, <laughs> so like, you know, exponentiation of two is only a few after a few years. But um, the, the system that can bring all of the people transacting together is going to have this huge network effect that is, might grow even faster than the internet has. I still think that's happening. But, we're in the early stages of the compound effects. Now there's only like 10 million users or something. Um, or maybe there's only 10,000 real users of Bitcoin. But I, I still think that it's going on an exponential growth. I think in terms of blockchain technology and businesses, that's doing really well. There's been a pro proliferation of uh, startup companies that use blockchain. So that's good. And then when it comes to cryptocurrencies, I think that's also good in terms of just straight payments, but not good when it comes to fungibility. And I'm going to stress that point a bit because I specifically care uh, about privacy. And I think the fact that institutions have become, mainstream institutions have become interested in the technology <laughs> is very good, but it's not leading to adoption of the technology as I think the early people envisioned uh, it would be is leading to these mainstream institutions adopting the technology and fitting it into what they want, which would be which is to be expected. But that's different from just a, um, a blockchain that's open and decentralized and anyone can access a permissionless uh, blockchain. So I'm a bit worried about the institutionalization of uh, cryptocurrencies and the, the crypto space. And I don't know where it will go. I think it will be a battle uh, between open source projects and businesses and institutions trying to just box it into what already exists. And that's not necessarily what people who were really there at the beginning, as I understand it, not what they thought would, uh, would come to be. It's definitely not going to be like what you guys thought it was going to be. Okay, because you're not representative of the world. Like, we are different here. Like, it, it, it's very obvious, I hope to everyone, that, that what we prefer is not what other people are thinking about. So, if and when Bitcoin technology becomes very main, adopted by the mainstream, it's not going to exhibit the ideological properties that we hold dear. 
it's just not going to because that's not what the that's not what the customers want. Like there's there's three hundred something million Americans and they don't all want libertarian principles. Like they're gonna they have other preferences and, and they're gonna want something that's like stupid, simple, and they don't have to think about anything but dollars and it's like they just want something else. So I think it's if we want to use this technology, it, it, it's not going to be based on ideology. It's going to have to be a better product. It's going to have to improve their lives in, in ways that are just like measurably profitable and not... I, I don't think people are going to buy into ideology. Can I add on? One, one of the interesting things about the evolution of this industry is how we've created centralized organizations that are so important to the operation of the marketplace and the crypto space. Um, and, you know, in spite of, like, Jessica Powell Kraken telling everyone, get your coins off my exchange, I don't want you to use us as a custodian, right? He's pretty, he says that all the time, and yet, what do most people do? They leave their coins on the exchange, um, because they, they feel more comfortable that the exchange is better managing their security risk than them maintaining their own private keys. The, the private key management issue is, is a huge, huge, huge one, because there is a security trade-off between convenience and security, and the vast majority of of crypto folks have taught themselves, have, have taken the time to educate themselves on how to manage their own keys, but even everybody I talk to is still worried about it every time they go and check to be sure that the crypto is still there, right? Even if you know how to manage your own private key, and you, your, your blood pressure does go up every time you pull it out and, you know, and roll your keys or, or, you know, or check that they're still there, right? Um, we've made huge advances in that. We have led ledgers and treasures and other sort of, um, you know, individual retail level um, um, private key management, UB keys, those sorts of things, right? But how many people are actually using them and storing their own private keys? How many people are actually running their own full nodes? It's still even a small percentage of us. Yeah, I clearly people want to just keep rolling. So yeah, go by all means. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just want to add on, I think for the future, what would be really good is if these open source, sort of decentralized products that are separate from uh, mainstream infrastructures, if they focus on being competing like businesses and making the user experience very simple, that's the only way that people will actually end up choosing them. They have to be better than a Facebook version of cryptocurrency like Libra, they just have to do it better. and that's. Difficult because the kind of people who are, I think, in the space, I would describe them as really smart and ideologically driven and not necessarily willing to think on the level of the kind of people that they're trying to reach, which is everybody, everybody else. Yeah, that, that's great. I actually want to just expand on this a little more so we can, we can keep the subject um, uh, going. Uh, something that I talk about sometimes with my company, uh, you know, we view it as important that you know, blockchain be um, be a how, not a why. I think for a lot of us, blockchain is a why, and what I mean by that is we just like the idea of it. We just like the idea of, of, of you know, money that's fully in our control, or we like the idea of, and, that, and so the properties of the system are, are the why, but for a lot of people, that's not, um, that's not gonna be why they, they don't care about those things, they don't share those libertarian principles. So blockchain has to be a how, it has to enable something that they couldn't do before. They have to have an experience, and they have to be able to do something that without blockchain, they weren't able to do that thing. Right. So what are what are some of these hows? Because I think this is I think blockchain needs to provide some of these hows, and that's how that's how blockchain gets to the next level. So. Should I go first? Yeah. Um, I think 
Well, that was, yeah, anyone, anyone has thoughts on what, what the hows are going to be? Oh, okay. if that makes sense. Question on what yeah, the yeah, yeah. What's, what's it going to be? Or like a how could be how could be um, you know um, the the collapse of a currency in in Venezuela and so there's a real need for a currency that's stable and so they start using a, a stable coin assuming they work I'm not saying they do but you know that's a how that's they don't care that it's a blockchain they care that now we're moving value around and it's stable and we can get back to business and not have our business. Be I don't know if it's going to be currency. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, talking that's about an example about, of a how. It's, yeah. it's about data. It's all about storing and securing and trusting data and within institutions. And I think um, places where like long-term viability of information is, is key and important, are, that's where like the blockchain actually adds a lot of value. And um, so I, I think people are going to use it there. Like People are going to be like, oh, I want a new kind of money. I don't think that's going to work out. Um, maybe Venezuela collapses, but I think it's going to be within people and companies who find value in securing their data and owning it, being able to transfer ownership of it or assign, um, assign rights to the data. I think it's gonna show up, um, again, I'm a financial services person, so, so biased towards that, but it's gonna show up in much better payment alternatives than are available today. We use Venmos and, and apps like that, but those are still settling on the clunky old rails of the um, unstable and unfair financial system behind the scenes. And so you're still taking a credit risk to your bank. Uh, and I think these new technologies are going to enable us to, uh, to, to, to speed up payments and to, and to not have to worry about the counterparty risk associated with them. Now, to every individual in the room, is that, is that gonna matter? Probably not, but anybody who's got a got more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank, um, which is essentially pretty every business, pretty much every business of any reasonable size, they're worried about the counterparty risk of their banks, and they can speed up the velocity of their own capital and get therefore higher returns for their shareholders if they don't have to trap cash in their bank accounts all the time because it takes so darn long for a payment to clear. So some of these are problems that businesses are just accepting because they've never thought about it, there hasn't been an alternative. But when there are alternatives, it's kind of like Uber, right? We never really thought there could be a better way to have taxi service, and then once it showed up, everybody understood right away that's a better service. And um, you know, that's that's ultimately, I think, what will happen. And a lot of people in the room thought there were better ways to do taxi service. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dave Friedman, circa the 1970s, could consult machinery of freedom for an early description of Uber. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, I mean, Caitlin's talking like really big picture. I mean, we, I could just talk to Desiree again too about like what, you know, what we use these things for. And Open Bazaar is, um, uh, it really kind of, there, there's a lot of disenfranchised people out there on a lot of these different platforms that people use where they're told like, no, you're not allowed to sell that. The most recent one being people made, um, these stuffed baby Yodas and we're selling them and Disney even started making them take it down from Etsy and, and these marketplaces like this and it's like kind of I mean you know come sell your baby Yodas on Open Bazaar so there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities there where, where people these other platforms are they're exercising their, their centralized control or having other companies like Disney dictate 
what they're allowed to do on their platforms where, you know, with technology like this, we kind of do an end around all of that and it connects people directly to each other so that you don't have that, that permission party telling you what you can and cannot do. I would continue along the lines of what Chris is saying and say that this technology can allow individuals who are being deplatformed to have stability with the platforms that they're using because for a lot of these platforms you think you might be doing the right thing and then somebody doesn't like you or somebody else about you on some social media platform and you're gone and you might have invested so much into whatever you're building or doing and then you have that immediately taken away and for the majority of the population that doesn't happen to them but there's a strong maybe small but strong and growing amounts of people who are feeling the effects of centralized authority. So I think for them, this is like a godsend. And we've met people, specifically here, um, when it comes to the marketplace with Particle, who were talking about sex work and they were talking about 3D printing guns. And what they do is perfectly legal, but some people might just not want to be associated with them. And so for those people, uh, in this aspect, even though the business aspect is also very useful, there's definitely a use case and a how for them. Thank you. Good point, Chris. Uh, one key takeaway is that crypto technology can help people connect directly. Like it, it eliminates all kinds of coordination where you have to go through some some third party, uh, and that's the most awesome thing. Like with when you pay at a at a restaurant like Murphy's, go to Murphy's tap room, you pay for a beer, your money's going to go right from your your Bitcoin wallet right to the owner's Bitcoin wallet. And the cashier can't touch it, and the bank can't touch it, and any paid like payment processor, we don't even touch it. Like it's it connects people directly, and then that's just in a business. But imagine that you can connect directly with people all over the world through using the blockchain. Um, so a really good point that you're directly connecting people. So in the case of Open Bazaar, Open Bazaar software doesn't touch the money; it goes right from the, the customer to the business. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Okay, all right, so uh, I'm gonna pivot just a little bit. I have a list of sort of some like semi uh, like rapid fire polling questions. So for these like not, like if you have something you really wanna talk long about, but feel free to pass because you don't know about this one or feel free to give a quick answer and move on. So in terms of coins that are doing um, what I would say where the, the clearest, strongest use case is, is stored, stored value. I would say Bitcoin in this, is in this case. It doesn't mean it's not used for other things, but it's very clearly used for that, right? Um, what what coins uh, for store of value purposes uh, do you think are are the best or the most promising or the most successful? It depends on what you mean by storing value. Okay, so like people talk about story value, like I've got a Bitcoin and it's worth five thousand dollars. Well, if it stays worth five thousand dollars, that's storing value, right? Like it's or like I have gold, it's going to be worth probably it's going to store its value. Well, there's some some Bitcoin systems allow you to store other types of value. You can store information in the system. Okay, so this is a store of value that is different from anything anyone's thinking about. I, I have questions about some of these other uses. I'm saying specifically the scenario is, you got 100 grand, you wanna make sure that that 100 grand remains fully in your control. And th this is today, right? You're gonna be traveling abroad, you wanna make sure you have access to it. Where, what are you doing? That's my question, today. 
No, well, what if you have a hundred thousand dollars USD, you're putting it, you're turning it into something. What's your oh, choice? Oh yeah, well, I'll, call, I'll call up any bank. Buy a hundred thousand dollars. I'll Bitcoin. Absolutely. You're getting Bitcoin. That's what I'm asking. You want to buy? Okay, well, I'm asking you what you want to buy with your. I would say the most stable coin probably has been XRP. You want stability? I don't know. I'm not. Chris. I don't know if they. I mean, with how volatile they are, I don't know if I really characterize it as a good store of value. Um, I mean, unless you're willing to accept wild swings and lose 25% on a weekly basis. Um, and there, there are other investments. I mean, think of it So you're putting in USDT? Like, I'm, you know, I mean, in the short term, yeah. the dollar is gonna be less volatile than... No, 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 you had tether, tether. Uh, yeah, tether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like a staple, if you really needed it in the cryptocurrency, if you're looking for an investment, I mean, this is a risky investment with a potential for a lot of promise, but I think that's the way you need to treat it. I, I wouldn't treat it as, um, you know, I, I need, I've got money I need to store for the long term. Put it in cryptocurrency. You need to realize you're making an investment in like very, very risky assets. Yeah, same thing. I, 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 I'm going to go Bitcoin is definitely the one with the, with the highest staying value right now, greatest liquidity. Very volatile. I like the way um, Lentis Cazares talks about it, that you shouldn't put more money into it than you, than you can afford to lose. Um, but uh, you should also not not have any exposure to it because of the potential that it could that it could um, um, that it could rally. Uh, but I would also say that the greatest store of value, to be honest, is the amount of time you invest figuring this stuff out on your own. Uh, to answer the question just with the framework given, I would say uh, Bitcoin um, just because of the network effects and that so many people already think it's going to be around. So just inertia, I, I would say uh, Bitcoin and you, you probably will not lose to just inflation of fiat money. All right, Desiree, it's not currently my favorite, just, just for you. Uh, next, uh, uh, next question. She accepted the premise. Okay. Uh, I'm next question is uh, all right, in the, for the Venezuela scenario or the cup of coffee scenario, right? I think what are, what are we doing here? Lightning network. Lightning network. Bitcoin lightning network. Yeah, great answer. That's kind of interesting. In New Hampshire, this 50-50 Dash and Bitcoin Cash are what is being used, okay. and uh, that's all I know. Yeah, that's great. Chris, Chris uh, I would say um, Lightning Network, or I would say Bitcoin Cash, just because it would probably be faster uh, when it needs to handle a large amount of, of volume. Yeah, I mean, just I'm be a little biased because I, I work on BCH, but um, for small payments, I, I think it'll it'll go through really quickly and, and work well for that case. How about um, how about uh, I was going to ask about. Um, sort of next generation sort of financial apps, whether these are decentralized exchanges or the various, I don't even know anything, anywhere near all the stuff that people are doing in this in this area, but I know there's a ton of it. Anything you guys are excited about here, I think people should know about. The new Wyoming Special Purpose Depository Institutions. Oh, well, now you gotta say at least a little <laughs> bit more about that. I mean, that's no, no one here. I mean, how many people here know about this? So. Uh, uh, th these are th these are the first 100% reserve banks that are that have been authorized in the United States in centuries, actually. Um, uh, they are state charter banks. Uh, they took effect, the law took effect October 1st. You will see, uh, I've been volunteering in and around this um, area in my native state, as I mentioned. 
um, the law uh, is designed to enable fiat crypto, fiat crypto on and off ramps. Um, we obviously all have to comply with the regulations surrounding anti-money laundering, etc. So there is no such resistance in this. But it, what it does is, is enable um, the crypto industry to have its own directly owned um, and, and you know. Um, directly the, 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 to have its own responsibility for its own relationships with the banks instead of having to be so reliant upon the three banks that are serving this industry right now. But if we lose any one of those three banks in the United States, the industry's got problems getting money in and out um, between fiat and, uh, and crypto. Anyone read the mortgage fund? Um, I don't know, just one, one new coin, I guess, I, I've been working with a little bit my day job is um, um, Filecoin, which is probably going to come out, uh, I don't know, mid this year, I think, um, maybe around April, some, sometime around there. Um, Filecoin, the name kind of says it all. It's, it's a coin for, for decentralized storage. There are other platforms, some of whom I think may even have spoken here in, in the past years, um, that have been trying to do this. This is a very difficult problem to solve. I don't know if it can be or, or can't be, but They've got kind of a very novel approach for doing it with Filecoin, and their their team of engineers is like world class. So I, if anyone could could kind of crack that nut, I think it would maybe be them. So that's just one to keep it. Right. All right, I'm gonna keep it going. Unless you have an answer. As far as applications built on top of the uh, no, specifically like financial apps, like uh, whether these are decentralized exchanges or or next generation financial things that are that are blockchain related. Well, um, one thing that's really changing the finance world is the blockchain is allowing people to acquire liquidity on demand. And that, like, I used to work in this this financial tech company that works with a lot of banks, um, and there's like trillions of dollars that they have to keep money all around. And there's like huge liquidity problems. Um, the blockchain is allowing them to reduce the liquidity costs by like huge amounts um, because they can. There's a, like native tokens they can transfer between banks. These banks don't have to use central banks anymore. Actually, pretty awesome. They are using um, these technology to avoid central banks and like larger banks. Um, so that, that's cool financial application. Cool. Um, all right, how about uh, in terms of blockchain land, uh, are there any uh, DAOs out there that, that you find interesting? So DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. You can think of this as like a blockchain-based joint stock corporation. Uh, so functions like a joint stock co corporation that uh, accept that your shares are tokens. Uh, so you can participate anonymously and, and vote on contracts and that kind of thing. We were just talking about the newest, most controversial DAO that's uh, being proposed in Bitcoin Cash. Um, and the idea is to create like this company that gets a portion of all the new Bitcoin cash and then they get to decide what to do with Bitcoin cash. Um, so there's different attempts to create governance in these systems. I've worked within the Dash uh, DAO, which is probably known as the most successful DAO uh, as far as processes go. It's really interesting. First of all, anyone can be a shareholder in this company. So this may be illegal. I don't even know. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's illegal. Okay, but it's not illegal in New Zealand where they incorporate. So anyone can be a shareholder by acquiring Dash, and then if you have enough, you can vote like a corporate shareholder, um, and you, you vote anonymously. It's like you use your public key, but they don't have to know who you are. And this like totally changes like. Corporate voting and corporate structure, you don't even know who the other people are. Um, 
And oh, I found that that is a big pain because if we don't know who we're dealing with, then we can't negotiate. So like the Dash DAO has been going along for a long time and there's a lot of problems because of the anonymity aspect. So there's going to be different approaches. Yeah, I, mean, I think the Dash DAO is the most successful in the sense that like it's been running the longest, it's dispersed a lot of funds, it's been, whether the project itself, you know, it's still like an open, open question. Uh, any, um, uh, any comments about uh, either the Bitcoin cash? He did comment about the, it's now open season on the Bitcoin cash, 12.5%. So if you, want, <laughs> if you want to comment on that at this, at this time, feel free as well. Now, um, yeah, I mean, this is just, I guess, a general uh, problem a lot of projects um, have to deal with is, is trying to come up with uh, financing for development. Um, you know, if you want like a really good development team, it's not not exactly. Actually, real quick, I, how many people? I, I bet a lot of people don't know about this exactly. So who doesn't know about? I'm just going to explain it because I'm missing people. So uh, basically, Bitcoin Cash um, core developers or the core team have proposed, and, and in part in alignment with some of the largest miners. That no, they didn't. They didn't propose it. They just said they're doing it. No, it was just the Chinese. It the, was a couple of Chinese miners just said they were going to do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, basically, the idea of it, like, some of the miners kind of got together and said, we think it would be a good idea to um, finance development with uh, part of the block reward, like 12.5%. And the scheme they came up with was actually relatively clever. By enforcing the 12.5% of Bitcoin Cash goes to development on Bitcoin Cash chain, the way it actually ends up working out when the difficulty adjusts, the people who actually end up paying for that are the Bitcoin miners, the BTC miners. So it was like a way of kind of pushing costs off onto other people to finance development. Um, so now, I mean, that really kind of created a lot of uh, a lot of drama in the community. Um, I mean, in part because, see, I mean, this is. In general, this is the, uh, the the issue we have when when mining tends to get kind of centralized. Is you can have a few people get together and kind of say we're doing this, and then there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, and but I mean, at the end of the day, they are trying to solve a difficult problem of of trying to raise funds. We did do last year a fundraiser, like a voluntary fundraiser for Bitcoin Cash, and eh, it raised maybe. 10, 20% of what would be nice to have, you know, for development purposes. So like just trying to get it through kind of voluntary means a little bit difficult, which is what inspired, uh, you know, this kind of proposal. It's remains to be seen whether they're going to do it or not. Thank you. Uh, any other comments on DAOs or the Bitcoin Cash situation? Okay, all right, keep moving. Um, did you have one? Uh, maybe. Yeah, okay, well, that's it's one now. That's okay, I just wasn't desk. sure. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it counted as a decentralized autonomous organization, but governance is one of the things that the particle uh, infrastructure has tried to figure out. So it's a platform with apps that can be built on it, and the first app that's been built is a marketplace, but potentially other apps could be built, and they're going to have to decide which apps to build based on what the community wants, where to direct funds. And the way it's done is just, I think it's a little bit similar to Dash in terms of it's based on state because it's a proof of state coin and if enough people vote on something then that's the way they make the decision they make that decision so in in a sense it is decentralized and um the funds are existing and it's only depending on what the people who hold the coins vote for that the the development takes a certain path so i'm not sure if it was specifically related but i thought maybe 
it's like a crypto blockchain figuring out how to do governance with its system. Yeah. So uh, related to this, uh, and now I'm totally um, just sneaking in a question that I personally care here uh, about, but maybe other people will care as well. I've been intrigued by whether there's anything that the Free State Project uh, could do with could do with DAOs with this kind of org um, organizing, right? Um, we want to have this kind of like bottom-up generation of, of uh, ideas and initiatives. Not that we already have that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like we need a DAO so it can finally happen. But is there anything here that the Free State Project should be looking at that could help us? If we have some people inside of this organization, they have goals that are controversial or, or difficult to organize around in a, in a public, in a traditional manner. Is there anything that's beneficial here for the Free State Project to be looking at? If people can propose better ideas and then make money on them um, within within this, there's a way that we can attach like monetary value to ideas and, and align people's incentives so that they're not doing volunteering. Like, I, I don't know about you, but volunteering sounds like really socialist and like, collectivist. Like, and I, like, just, that's what I'm, it, it really is. And so if there's a way that we can align incentives where people with good ideas, maybe get some money, but from their peers, like not from a central organization, but if we can build some communication thing where like, there's actually a financial incentive to grow what we agree on, I think that's gonna be important. Okay, anyone else have any, any thoughts on this? Okay. Uh, we have 10 minutes. Um, all right. Well, I definitely have to get in a question about the future. So let's let's just get that one in now. Um, where are we going? I'll let you do any time frame. I always hate it when people force a time frame on me. Uh, so you can say where we're going to be in six months. You can say where we're going to be in five years. But if you have any any concrete predictions, I can tell we're going to record it. So if you want to make that now, we can report back to it later and be like, I was right. This is the time to throw down and say one of those things. Where we're going. I think that in, within a year, 99% of all transactions will be on one chain and it won't be BTC. Now, within one year? Yeah, within one year, 99% of transactions will be on one chain and it's not BTC. That is a very old point. Yeah. Which one? That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a valid prediction even without saying. It doesn't have to say a chain for it to be a valid prediction. I don't know what to say no, I, I don't, I mean, this is, this stuff is so hard to predict. I mean, in general, though, it seems like there's this sentiment that things are starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, like, you kind of, I don't know, it's just my general feeling that, like, the price will probably be higher at the end of the year for most of these assets than the beginning. But I didn't have that same sentiment the last couple of years, so I don't know. It just seems like there's more optimism growing, but it's still kind of a cautious optimism. Well, I just want to... Initially, say that I don't like this question because if I make a prediction and it's probably going to be wrong, then it will look bad in the future. You can make probabilistic predictions. Feel free to say I think it's sixty percent likely that. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's fifty percent likely um, that the well, just looking at cryptocurrencies, the coins that are you're not my favorite anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the coins that are in the top twenty or top one hundred that will shift, and I would say that in about five years that's probably going to be different. I don't know about Bitcoin. I think it's possible for it to deliver on some of the promises that people are saying it hasn't made, like scalability and really being able to be used without high transaction fees. I do think it's possible for that to uh, turn around. Um, 
So I would just say that the, the space is going to shift and we're going to see how, which companies come out actually delivering value for people so that they want to use them and they're not just attached to the idea of what it could be, sort of like the dot-com dot com bubble in the past. Um, there's just a lot of speculation right now and then we're going to see a few coins uh, come out on top. So that's a very, very vague and a little bit obvious prediction, but that's what I predict. That's nice. But I like it. Look, just bottom effect it, right? And then everyone will, it's, everyone will think it's right and, and, and you just win that. So it's good. Uh, no, it's good answer. All right. Uh, okay. I'll close by just talking about the halving, which hasn't come out yet in Bitcoin. That's going to be a very, very, very big deal. And I don't know how fast it's going to be a big deal, but um, it is... It is objectively true that the inflation rate of Bitcoin is being cut in half in May. We're not we're not at least weak uh, efficient market hypothesis here. We don't think that's priced in yet. Yeah, we talked about that in the debate this Sorry. morning. Yeah. yeah. So every every time people say it's priced in, and I agree, it should be. But every time the price just goes up again. So like, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, nothing's made me doubt the efficient market hypothesis more than being in crypto. So I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> If you actually have a truly free and unmanipulated price for borrowing money, um, this is why it doesn't apply in the traditional financial industry. I think I think in concept it works, but in reality, the most important price in the economy is the price of borrowing money, and it's the most manipulated price, right? Because we have central banks that actually set the the price of borrowing money, and it's not set on the free market. If it were, then maybe we could conclude the efficient market hypothesis applies. How do you think about that vis-a-vis -vis crypto? Who knows what the price of the true price of borrowing crypto is? We have so many coin lending businesses that are popping up, but I'll tell you, here's the problem. Nobody has a clue if any of them are solvent. We have had zero um, uh, you know, um, auditing um, and disclosure that's coming out of all of these companies right now. And so if you're already 8% um, depositing your Bitcoin in an interest-bearing account at one of the crypto lenders, well, maybe if the thing is actually only 50% solvent, you should, 8% is, you know, a tiny fraction of what you should be compensated for the default risk on this. We just have no clue. So it's hard to say the efficient market hypothesis actually applies here because we just don't know what the, what the price of, of borrowing the risk-free underlying is. There's no visibility into that. Thanks. Uh, um, we are almost out of time. I'm gonna, and I know everyone really wants to see Kyle Mann, uh, far more entertaining than me. So uh, let's, uh, if you want to do one final plug for you, your company, your project, or anything in crypto that you think people should check out. I want everyone who likes Bitcoin to go to coin.dance. Some really interesting charts and information that might be illuminating. Coin.dance. Thank you. Um, yeah, you can check out Open Bazaar. You can um, openbazaar.org has uh, application that you can download and install. Openbazaar.com has a little web version that doesn't work great, but it kind of shows you what's on the network. And then we have a, a mobile app that uses the same type of technology. It's called uh, Haven, but it's basically Open Bazaar under the hood. If you look up Haven on the app stores, you can see it there too. I'm not part of a formal project, so all I'll say is just everybody just commit to spending more time to educating yourselves. That's how we all learn this. How about where, where should someone start with their education? I want to I want to start learning on a website or a resource. Oh, my space is Saint Fidini. This is um, the Bitcoin standard. It's just a stunning piece of work, and 
and it's available for anybody to read and comprehend and not have to have a computer science background to understand the historical significance of what we're what we have here. I have a few things to mention. Uh, first of all, coin.advance is a great website for stats. I've used it in some of my videos. Um, I would recommend checking out my podcast. It's Crypto Ramble. I also have a book called The Privacy Coin Guide if you want to know a bit more about the technology behind privacy coins and how they work. And you can get the Particle Marketplace if you're interested at particle.io um, slash uh, downloads. And um, I also think one can educate themselves on the space and there are tons of resources out there. I don't have any in particular. It's seriously like it, there's so much information out there for anyone who wants to, to learn. All right. Thank you. You, 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 you seem really, you really, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Do it. Uh, so um, I think nations are still a very, really valid because uh, the states are not necessarily always positive, but nations are. So can you, you know, try to imagine what would be, how would a nation support itself in a situation where a nation does not support itself. That's not how the economy works. So every, every individual supports themselves. And, and they make decisions for themselves and they look at, they're, they're only looking at their own bank account and their own assets and everything. So people are going to adopt the best thing for them, whatever that is. And the whole concept of a nation, um, all acting in concert is completely fake. And it's all about individual subjective thoughts and actions. Do you mean paying taxes? Like how do they pay taxes if everyone's using that? I mean, if you, if you need uh, anyone to defend you from external or internal. So, so how would the society have certain functions being served that the government currently uh, serves for them? Such as an army or the roads? Things like that. Maybe courts and. Yeah, I don't. It's it's a, a bunch of. I'm sorry. I'm moderator. <laughs> I found it. But uh, it wouldn't be. Uh, I don't think it'd be that different, or it's somewhat of an orthogonal question. I mean, because if you even if a nation was on uh, uh, an entire nation and you know they didn't have a fiat currency anymore, there's still a currency. You can still tax it. You can still collect it, right? Like if we didn't have money and we we're still on a barter economy, like. Money is useful to a state because it makes taxation more legible in terms of the ability to perform it, but it's like, you can still do it. So like the ability for a state to collect taxes, I don't think would be that substantially diminished <laughs> even if they didn't have um, the control over the banking system. All right, uh, thank you everyone, sorry. Yeah.